four ways to support someone who is grieving. Watching someone that you care for, someone that you care about, you watch them and you see them experience loss and you see them experience grief. It's a very, very painful uh, situation. Very, very painful situation. Knowing how to respond when it happens can make a big difference. Unfortunately, most of us who don't know how to respond. We don't know how to respond. And sometimes, you know, God can use our current experiences to reach out to other people, to comfort other people, being able to, you know, to, to support them, being able to support them. That can be very, very helpful. That can be very, very helpful. In the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give or we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. We'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. It's very, very important to understand that whatever we go through, sometimes it's not for us. Whatever we learn in life, sometimes it's not for us. God knows that at some point, Somebody will need it. Somebody will need your help. Somebody will need your, uh, your experience. Somebody will need you to, you know, to guide them or to help them through. That's how life is. That's how life is. So we should be open and also understand that, yes, I'm going through pain right now. Yes, I'm going through the challenges of life right now. But this experience, it's not only for me. This experience can be for other people also to, to learn and to grow. To learn and to grow. When you go through challenging times, we all need support. That's how life is. We all need support. You cannot go through life by yourself. Nobody is an island in this world. Rivers do not drink their own water. Trees do not eat their own fruit. Even the sun, it does not shine on itself. Flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Brothers and sisters, living for others is a rule of nature. It's a rule of nature. We are all born to help each other. We are all born to support each other. No matter how difficult it is, life is good when you are happy. Life is good when you are happy, but much, much better when others are happy because of you. When somebody 
leaves your office with a smile, when somebody leaves your presence with a smile, that makes life more enjoyable. Like I said earlier, sometimes you may want to help others. You may want to show them love, but you don't know how to do it. It is often difficult to know what to do or what to say when your friend or your colleague just lost their loved ones. Sometimes you may feel like you're not sure how you can help. And by the way, the last thing that you want to do when somebody has lost their loved one, when your friend or your family member has lost their loved one, the last thing that you want to do is to accidentally upset them. You don't want to upset them. And that's why in most cases we don't know what to do because you want to make sure that you do it right. You want to make sure that you do the right thing. But, but at the same time, you don't want to make the situation worse. As I said, everyone needs support when going through grief, when going through challenging times. And after this session for tonight, you should be able to give support to your colleagues at work, to your church members, to the community, to your family members, to your friends. When people go through grief, when people go through difficult times, when somebody has lost their loved one, they do not need a lecture. They do not need another sermon. They do not need you to come and condemn them and tell them what wrong did they do. All they need is acts of kindness and love in action. Just show them love. You may show them love by supporting their children at that point or during that week or during that time. Or you can go and help with you know, practical things like help with cooking or do anything that communicates love in a very practical way. Sometimes help could be, you know, in the form of financial help. It's okay to do that, to show them support in that way. Because some people, you know, sometimes they may not even tell you that they need help financially. Some people just need spiritual and emotional support. They just need words of encouragement. So just ask God to help you with wisdom so you know what to do. Maybe just send a text message, a word of encouragement, or send a verse a day just to encourage them. You know, like I said earlier, it's completely normal sometimes, you know, just to feel anxious, you feel worried because you're not sure how you can support, how to show support to your friends or your family members who are grieving. But the most important thing is for the first, I mean, the first time you hear about it, just contact them. Just contact them and let them know that you are praying for them. Let them know that you are praying for them. The, the worst thing that you can do is just to keep quiet and you do nothing. That is not a good thing. Maybe, you know, I know some, sometimes because you're not sure what to say or what to do, you just avoid them. That is not a good thing to do. You know, the first time you meet them, whether it's in town or in, at the mall or wherever you meet them or in church, 
it is best to mention the bereavement first. Say, I'm sorry that you have lost your mom. I'm sorry that you have lost your, your brother. You have lost your, your son. We are praying for you. But if you try to avoid talking about it, or you act like nothing happened, you act like you were not aware, it may come across as, you know, as neglect. It may come across in a negative way. It may come across in a negative way. I know sometimes, like, like I said, it feels normal to feel scared. And you don't know what to do. But we have to find a way. We have to find a way to, su to support them. One other thing that we have to notice is grieving period can be very, very lonely for a bereaved person. It can be very lonely. So try to keep in touch with them. Let them know that they are not alone. And you can also send I mean, a card or a message or something, especially during uh, occasions like uh, birthdays or anniversary. Remember them. Let them know that there is someone who still cares for them. Because those kind of uh, situations, special occasions can be very difficult for the family. It's always lovely to know that someone is thinking of you. Now let's quickly go through the four ways that you can support. If you, if you want to support and you don't know how to do it, and I'm going to quickly go through four ways that we can do. Let's go to James chapter five, verse 16. It's a very popular verse of scripture. James chapter five, verse 16, the Bible says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of the righteous person availeth much. James talks about three steps in the healing process. The first one, he talks about confession or talking. Confession or talking. That's the first one that I want to talk about. If you want to show support to someone, just learn to listen when the person talks. You know, when somebody goes through emotional pain, they always need somebody who can listen to them when they talk. And if it is you who's going through the pain right now, do not bottleneck it. James encourages us to talk about our pain, to confess, to talk. Confess simply means to speak out. It is not a good thing, you know, to hold it inside and not talk about your pain or you don't talk to anyone. When you are emotionally wounded, talk to someone. Let someone know that you are feeling the pain. Let someone know what you are going through. Brothers and sisters, talking is therapeutic. It's a therapy. There is healing in talking. The burden feels much, much lighter after you have talked with someone. When you talk to somebody, you're not saying they have to solve your problems. 
All you need is someone who can listen to you. All of us want somebody who can listen to us. You know, the number one complaint that most women have about their husband, the number one complaint that our wives always complain about, in most cases, it's about listening. When they call somebody, they call a pastor, they call a counselor, and all they'll say is, he does not listen to me. I talk to him, he does not listen. I don't know how many times I have received calls and text messages from people who said, Abraham, thank you for helping me through the challenges that I was going through a month ago, two months. Sometimes I've even forgotten that I talked to them. And all I did was just to listen to them. Then I pray with them. That's all that I did. But that speaks volume to them. Sometimes as a person is talking, I don't even know what to say to them. I don't even know how to advise them. But all I do is just to listen. And after listening, I pray with them. By the way, that is what all counseling is about. Counselors give you an opportunity to talk. They give you a chance to talk your, your pain through. And this is the reason why people are willing even to spend money, pay the counselors. Why? Because they want somebody who can listen to them. They want somebody they can talk to. Good counselors always give you a chance to talk. They will challenge you to talk. They will challenge you to speak. They do not argue with you, but they listen to you. It doesn't matter whether you know the person or not. All you need is someone that you can talk to. It's someone who can listen to you. You don't have to solve somebody's problems. You just have to listen to them talk. I'm telling you, it makes a big difference in their lives. Talking makes you feel much, much better after the conversation. The greatest gift and support that you can give to your friend who's going through grief is to listen to them. Give them an, a listening ear. Give them a listening ear. Give them an opportunity to cry. Let them cry. Allow them to cry. It's okay to cry. Allow them to complain. It's okay to complain. Allow them to rant. Allow them to be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's part of healing. It's part of the healing process. When you help somebody, do not talk too much. Do not dominate the conversation. This is not time to argue with them or try to correct them or try to correct their theology. It's not time for that. It is time for you to listen. Most of us, we are not good at listening. We're not good at listening. We have to allow the person that we are supporting to talk as much as they want. You know, studies have shown that simply talking about your grief, simply talking about your problems, simply sharing, your negative emotions with someone, someone that you trust, it can be profoundly, you know, healing. It can bring healing. It reduces stress when you talk to someone. You feel much, much lighter. It strengthens even your immune, immune system. It reduces physical and emotional distress. Brothers and sisters, talking releases stress. It takes the weight off your shoulders. Learn to talk 
when you go through grief. Learn to talk when you go through a challenge or through difficult times in your life. Never underestimate the power of talking with someone who really listens. Listening to a person communicates a lot. When, when you talk to me and I listen to you, it communicates warm reception. It means I receive you. It means I value you. It means I appreciate you. So this is the greatest gift that you can give to someone. The greatest gift that you can give to your friend. The great, greatest gift that you can give to the grieving family. That you can give to your colleague. It's called the gift of respect. And when we listen to somebody when they, when they talk, it shows respect. It shows respect. All of you feel disrespected when, when you are talking and somebody talks over you. You feel like that person is disrespecting you. They are not even getting ready to listen to you. It means what you are saying. It means nothing. So the greatest gift that you can give to someone is respect. And respect means listening when they talk. When someone speaks, be supportive, be reliable, be compassionate, be understanding and patient. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess, talk, talk. When he continues to say and pray for one another, that's the second help that you can give. That's the second support that we can give. He say, pray for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The second step towards healing is prayer. Galatians 6 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Praying with someone is an indication that you are caring for them. When I pray for you, it means I care for you. When I don't care for you, I won't even pray for you. When you pray for someone, when you pray for someone, you are helping them carry their burden. Interceding for the person has a very, very powerful spiritual impact. When you talk of intercession, to intercede, it simply means to, you know, to go to God on behalf of someone. You are standing in the gap for your friend. You carry them spiritually. You are communicating concern. When you pray for someone, you are saying, your pain, my brother, your pain, my sister, it's my pain. And you can pray for them in private. You don't have to announce it in public. You don't have to announce it on Facebook or anywhere. You can pray for them in public. It's between you and God. Or you can just pick up a phone and call them, WhatsApp them, and call them and pray with them. I'm telling you, it makes a big difference. Let the person know that you care for them. Let them know that you are praying for them. Let the person know that they, are, that they are fighting this battle not alone, but you are with them. They're not alone in that battle. They're not alone in that grief. You are there to support them. And as I said, as, as you pray with them, don't push them. Don't preach to them. It's not time to preach to them. You can pray and share a few meaningful scriptures or verses to them. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to spend the next 30, 40 minutes preaching to them. It's not time for that. All they need is your encouragement. It's your, it's your support. 
And James says, if you confess, you talk to the person, you talk. And after talking, you pray together. You pray for one another. He says the next step that will follow is healing. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The third step that follows, James says it's healing. James says when you talk and you pray, the next thing that will follow will be healing. Some people do not get their emotional healing because they skip the first step. All they do, they need prayer. They need prayer. They don't want to talk to anybody. That's not how it works. You have to talk to someone. You have to talk to someone. You know, they do not want to talk to anyone as they go through the grief. Let me ask you, please find someone to talk to. Find someone that we can trust and you talk to them. Go and try it. I'm telling you, you'll feel much, much better. You'll feel the difference. Go and do it. You'll thank me after that. You can schedule a weekly meeting if possible. Just to talk to somebody. Just to talk your pain through. It is important to do both. It's important to talk and to pray. If someone is going through challenges, let me say this to you right now. Be available. Let them know. Let them trust you. Let them confide in you. Be available for them. This is the reason we should value relationships. And most people, they are saying they have nobody to talk to because they have not built that relationship. They don't have anybody that they trust. And it's a shame to hear somebody who is in church and they say, but I don't have anybody that I trust. We have not built that relationship. We have to learn to build relationships with people that we can trust when you go through difficult and challenging times like this. You never know who you will need when that time comes. Last week I said something, which I want to repeat tonight. It was not raining when Noah built the ark. You have to keep building the ark. You have to keep building the ark, even before it starts raining. So that when the tragedy hits, when that time comes, You'll have someone that you can pick up a phone and call. Someone that you trust. You have built the ark. You have built those relationships. And you can call for help. You can call for support. All of us should invest in building healthy relationships. You should invest in building strong relationships with people who are trustworthy. People that you can trust when difficult and challenging times come. We all need one another. And we need relationships. We need to build relationships before it rains. You should invest in healthy relationships. I mean healthy and strong relationships. People that you can trust and people who can trust you. People that you can call. You can pick up a phone and call them anytime. Send WhatsApp at any time and say, help. And you know that they are there to help you. But you have to build those kind of relationships before difficult times come in your life. We said number one, confess, talk, and be available to listen if you are helping someone. Number two, pray. Prayer should be a priority. Pray for them. Number three, support in a practical way. 
support them in a practical way. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Save wholeheartedly as if you were saving the Lord, not people. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. It says, Serve wholeheartedly. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are saving the Lord, not people. Save as if you are saving the Lord, not people. So when, when we serve, let's know that we are not saving people, but we are saving the Lord. Whosoever is in our lives, that God brings in our lives, when they go through that challenging time, when they go through that difficult time, are you available to serve? Are you available to help them? It says, serve wholeheartedly, as if you were saving the Lord, not people. When you, when you help somebody, in your heart, tell yourself that I'm not helping him, I'm not helping her, but I'm helping, I'm saving God. If you can approach the situation with that mindset, it will make a big, big difference in your life. And he continues to say, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. Brothers and sisters, there is a reward for helping other people when they go through grief. There is a reward. And the reward, it's not from your neighbor. The reward is not from your friend. The reward is not from your, uh, from your colleague. The Bible says the reward for helping other people is from God. It's from God. It's my prayer that we understand the value and the importance of saving other people when they go through grief, when they go through difficult and challenging times in their lives. There is a reward. And the reward is from God. I'm sure we all need that reward. That reward. When we help or support others, we are saving the Lord. You should not serve with the expectation of any reward from, uh, from the bereaved family or from anybody. If you're in a position to freely give or freely offer your help, do it willingly. Do it willingly. I know things are expensive, but if you are available to help, be available to help. Providing practical help and resources can be a greatest, greatest relief for the family. There are different things that you can do. I mean, you can offer to help with the specific tasks. Maybe like if, it's, if it just happened, you can help with funeral arrangement, whatever arrangement that you can help with, especially if you are more knowledgeable in other areas or you have access to other offices where they will need help. It could be home affairs or whatever offices that they need help with. If you, if you are able to help, be available to help. You can help with running errands or buy groceries or do laundry, whatever whatever you can offer to help, whatever you are able to help, go ahead and help. Go ahead and help. Any kind of help will be appreciated. And I'm telling you, it will go a long way in building your relationship. Helping does not mean, you know, taking over or trying to control everything in the family. No, that's not, that's not helping. That's manipulation. You don't have to manipulate the family. You help the family. 
Helping does not mean overriding the decisions that the family is making. Let the family make decisions and you support whatever the family has decided. That's called helping. That's called helping. You have to understand your limits and your boundaries. Especially if you're not part of the, of the organizers. If you're not part of the, uh, the people who are responsible for, for making arrangements. Be available to help, but don't be there to control the family or to take over from the family. Helping means support. You support the decisions that the family has made. You don't want to go into the family and cause confusion and you say, no, I was helping. No, no. That's not what we mean. You may offer suggestions or you may give them options. However, all the final decisions lies with the family. You have to consistently offer support by doing something. Maybe instead of you know, asking them, how can I help you? How can I support you? You can just go and do it. Don't make promises that you know that you cannot keep. Make promises that you know that you'll be able to keep. You are able to, to support them with. You know, this is a very sensitive period for the family when they are grieving, when they are going through difficult times. If you promise them something and later you start giving excuses, they may never trust you again. You may lose them forever. If you tell them things like, oh, if you need anything, let me know, I'll be here for you. You should really mean it. Don't just say it because it sounds popular, because everybody's saying that. So oh, I'm available for you anytime you need help. I'll be here to help you. And when they call you and they need help, you start giving them excuses. You're no longer available. Instead of saying, is there anything I can do? Because some people may not be able to, you know, to share what they're going through or to tell you straight, directly. Especially, you know, it, it, in some cultures, you know, they can't even open up and tell you what they need if you ask them like that. You might just offer some help. Just be specific and go and say, okay, I'll be able to do this. Will you be okay if I do it? It makes it easier for the family. It makes it easier for the person that you are supporting. For example, just go, just go ahead and help with cooking. If you realize that there's a need for that. Go ahead and help with taking care of the kids. If, the, if you realize that there's a need for that. Or help with some household chores, whatever needs to be done. Just be available for them. That can be a huge relief for the family. You may observe what, what they need at that time, whatever they need in the house, and bring it. You can help with transportation or just make your car available if possible or make yourself available if they need. So anytime they need help, you'll be available. You know, after the funeral, you can stay with them, pray with them, be with them, encourage them, continue to give them support. Support your friend. Help your friend to stay strong. You, know, you can do some simple things. Uh, simple things like taking, taking your friend out. It may look like it's a minor thing, but I'm telling you, it speaks volumes. Even small trips can help. Help expose them to different environment outside the house or outside the usual environment. 
It doesn't have to be expensive trips. You can just take your friend maybe to the nearest park or take them to the zoo or take them to the beach if you are living next to the beach. Take them out to town or to the mall or to the city. I'm telling you, environments make a big difference in one's life. Just give them a break. Just give them a break. Expose them to a different environment. Sometimes during that time, the person has not been working for some time, maybe for a week, for weeks, maybe even for a month. They have spent a lot of money on funeral expenses and other expenses. They could be struggling financially. And usually people do not even ask. They may not even tell you that they are struggling financially. Usually financial help, financial support is one of the best ways that we can assist with. Many people, like I said, may not tell you even when they are going through financial challenges at that point. And if you are in a position to help, help them, support them financially. You know, some people, they feel like if they open up and tell you that they are struggling financially, you will think that they are begging. And most people do not want to beg. They don't feel comfortable begging. So financial help can be a big, big blessing to the family. You know, you may share, even healing messages like this, can share an audio, or you can buy a book that you know that it will help them go through the grief and support them. Just like I said earlier, do not promise them things that you know you cannot fulfill them. I've heard this many, many times. There are some people that will even promise that they will take care of the, of the surviving cousin you know, during the funeral. We all know that. Don't worry, we'll take care of the, of the children. Don't worry, we'll take care of the spouse. Don't worry, we'll take care of our aunt. We'll take care of our uncle. We'll take care of our grannies. That's what they always say during their speeches. And these kind of things are often said at the funeral when emotions are high. And frequently, the bereaved find that those people who gave those promises, when they need them after the funeral, they are no more there to be found. They're not there to be found anymore. They're not there to be supportive anymore. So don't, don't, don't give those kind of promises, especially if you know that you'll not fulfill them. Just do it instead of promising. Just do it and support those kids and help them go to school. Just do it and support whosoever needs your support at that point without promising them anything. It's much, much better to do it than to overpromise. And sometimes, you know, even when you ask somebody, how can I help you? They may not tell you what, what to do. They may not tell you what, how you can help them. And the reason is because they have been disappointed in the past. Another possibility could be that they are, not, they are not sure how serious you are. Like I said, some people, they promise people and they do not do it. You just have to ask God for wisdom. And sometimes just use common sense and look at the situation and see how you can help. Just be supportive, just be there for them. Help in a practical way. Just try to identify whatever uh, you can provide at that point and be able to provide. You know, as you serve the family, remember, do not expect any compensation from the family, especially if they are struggling financially. As much as you expect them to, you know, to be reasonable and, and maybe pay you or help with 
gas or petrol. Sometimes they may not have money even to help with that. Not everyone is spiritually mature or not everybody is financially mature. Not everyone is able to help at that point. And if you know that you will do it grudgingly, let me plead with you. If you know that you will do it grudgingly and complain, just don't do it at all. Don't do it at all. God only bless you when you do it willingly. God loves a cheerful giver, not a complaining giver. Not a complaining giver. If you know that you're going to give and later you complain, don't do it. When you decide to support, tell yourself that you do it wholeheartedly. Tell yourself that you're volunteering freely. You're just volunteering to help. Do not get offended when they forget to thank you. The Bible says, God is the one who's going to bless you. God is the one who's going to, do, to reward you. And remember that they are going through a difficult time. They are going through a stressful situation at that time. They may not be able to thank everybody. Even after the funeral, they may even forget to, to say thank you after you have helped them. Do not take offense. Even if they do not mention your name when they give the vote, the vote of thanks. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. When you do it as unto the Lord, not for the people, you expect God to thank you, not people to thank you. Many people miss the blessings of God after saving, by complaining, after helping someone. By complaining, after helping during the funeral. By complaining, after helping somebody through grief. Always remember, that these people are going through pain. You are not helping them to be seen by people or to be thanked by people, but you are, you are saving them as you save the Lord. You are saving the Lord at that time. Even if they do not thank you, God knows your heart. God knows what you did. They may not thank you at that time, but they will never forget your generous and your supportive heart. In life, people generally don't forget people who did well, people who supported them during difficult times in their lives. You know, as you serve them, as you help them, they may be able to support you maybe later in life. It's possible. But also sometimes they may not be in the position to help you when you go through your challenges. It is possible that at that time, when you go through difficult time, maybe they have moved to a different city, to a different town, to a different township. They are no longer available. Maybe that person has lost a job. They are going through their own struggles at that point and they are not able to help you. Don't complain and say, oh, I helped them. I gave them money, but then they, they didn't help me. They didn't support me. It could be for whatever reason. You know, life happens. That's why I'm saying, don't expect help back from them. Don't expect any payment from them. Do it as if you are saving the Lord. That is why it's very important to focus on God when you help someone. He knows your heart. God knows what you did. And God will provide support from unexpected places when you need help. Have you noticed sometimes, you know, when you, when you go through a crisis and you go through a challenging time, and you need help urgently. 
then someone will just come from nowhere and they step in and help. The person could be a stranger. You find that you don't even know that person. Or it could be someone that you never expected that they can help. Or it could be a, a distant relative or a cousin or somebody or a former classmate that you have not seen in more than 20 years. Or it could be your old neighbor who used to, to stay next to you or to live next to you. You just, says, you just see them show up and they help. That is how God works. He provides help from unexpected places. Number four. And the last one is you can give what you call a minister of presence. Minister of presence. There are times when you may not need to say anything when you help someone who's going through grief. You just need to provide the minister of presence. During that time, words are usually not necessary. Your presence and availability is enough. It speaks volumes. Allow the person to talk about their loss. Allow them to talk. Allow them to talk. Allow them to cry without you trying to, to make them feel better. Don't tell them stupid things like, oh, just get over it, just get over it. That's so stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that. Allow people to cry. Allow people to go through the pain. And that's part of the healing process. Allow the Holy Spirit to comfort them. The Holy Spirit is the best comforter ever. The Holy Spirit can do a better job to comfort them than we can do. Trust him to do his job. Just keep praying for them daily. Your presence means a lot to your friend, to your family member, to your relative who needs support at that point. Let me read this last scripture. It's in Job chapter 2. We all know the story of Job. I will not go through the story of Job. But his friends, they came to comfort him. Job chapter 2 verse 11 says, when Job's three friends, so Job had friends. Job had friends. And we have their names here. Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shushite, and Zophar, the, the, the Nemathite. When they heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, that's Job, they set out from their homes and met together by agreeing to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. I like verse 13. And that's what I want to focus on in the next uh, five minutes or so. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. Let's look at what they did. No one said a word to him because they, they, they saw how great his suffering was. No one said a word to him. No one said a word to him. They came to him as he was suffering. They came to him as he was going through his challenges. When Job went through his trials, his friends came and they spent seven days and seven nights with him. The Bible says, without saying a word, 
Because they saw his suffering. I'm, I'm sure, I'm very sure Job was saying something. Job was speaking. But they kept quiet. They listened to him. You can't even, you can't even be quiet for seven seconds. You feel like you always have to say something. Some people feel like, you know, they always have something to say. And the question is, do you have something to say or you always have to say something? No, you don't have to say something. It is okay to be present and say nothing. Sometimes all the person needs, sometimes all your friend needs is the presence of somebody. All they need is your presence, not your mouth. If the person is not ready to talk, be fine with it, be okay with it. You don't have to, to try to, to establish a conversation. You don't need to feel the empty space of silence. Because you may end up even saying stupid things that you're not even supposed to say. And it causes more damage than good. When we are in pain, we are only listening to our pain and nobody else. The best support that we can give could be the minister of presence. Just be there for them without trying to preach a sermon to them. At that point, nobody is listening to you. Be available when they need you. Just be there to hang out with them or just be a shoulder to cry on. You don't have to prepare a long sermon for them. It's not time for you to preach to them. Sometimes they just need you not your sermon. Maybe just need to be, need to be like Job's friends. You don't have to talk. Spend more time listening. Like I said earlier, there are times that you need to talk, but there are times where you need to be quiet. Wisdom is the ability. Wisdom is being able to know what to say and when to say. That is wisdom. You can speak the right thing, but at the wrong time. When, when your friend is grieving, it's not time for you to talk too much. You just need someone who can listen to them. Let them express their pain and their grief. Don't talk too much. Don't even try to explain why the person died, why their child died, why their father died. Don't try to explain. It is not helpful. It is not even comforting to, to be told, oh, they're in a better place. Well, they're in a better place, but that's not helping me. I'm in pain here. I'm grieving here. I'm going through the pain. Telling me they're in a better place is not helping me. You're not God. You do not understand death. You do not understand why the person died. And don't try to, to explain it. This is not time for you to explain your theology or your personal experiences. It is time for you to pray with them. Listen to them, help them, support them. Support them. Give all the support that you can. It is not about you. It is not, ab not about your feelings. When you want to bless them with the ministry of presence, just learn to be quiet and give them space to grieve. You do not have to bombard them with a lot of verses and teachings. At that point, they need your support and be available to support them. Let me quickly summarize what we, we learned tonight about 
helping someone. We talk about the four ways to support a grieving friend. Ephesians chapter six, seven says, save wholeheartedly as if you are saving the Lord, not people. As if you are saving the Lord, not people. Number one, we have to learn to listen when a person talks. Let's learn to listen. I know not everybody has that skill. Listening is a skill. Some people have had time listening when someone speaks. You don't, you don't have to listen with the hope, I mean, with the aim of trying to, to respond. No, you listen because you want to absorb and understand what the person is going through. Number two, pray with the person. Pray with them and pray for them. Well, you can take a screenshot if you want. You can pray with them and pray for them. Support in a practical way. And the last one, offer a ministry of presence. Offer a ministry of presence. Just be there for them when they need you. Just be there for them when they need you. God wants us to support one another, to carry one another's burdens. It is not time for you to show them how knowledgeable you are. It is okay to be still. Hold their hand and let them know there is someone who cares. Let them know it shall be well. Let them know that you are praying for them. Let them know that they will heal. Encourage them. And let them know that there is hope in Christ. Pray with them. Sit, be quiet, and assure them that they are not alone in their pain. Your presence in someone's life when they go through grief, it speaks volumes. It can be a lonely time. Just be available to make sure that they are not lonely. Let them know that there is someone that they can call anytime. At that point, they just need someone who understands them. Someone who understands what they are going through. And my question to you is, can you be that someone for somebody? Allow the Holy Spirit to comfort them. Allow the Holy Spirit to comfort your friends. Pray that the Holy Spirit strengthens them. Can you be there for the grieving family? Can you be there for the grieving uh, friend? Can you be there for the grieving colleague? Can you be there for the grieving church member? Let me say this before I close. Some of you will heal as you heal and support other people. Healing will flow through you. Emotional healing will flow through you as you support other people. There is nothing more powerful and encouraging than knowing that we are loved, we are supported through the valleys of life. Let's pray.